Hello and welcome to our latest Beyond Brexit podcast. I'm Emily Kahn. When we last met, we'd faced what I called some of the most turbulent political times ever. And yet, if anything, the turbulence has increased since. And here we are, November 2019, with another extension to the Brexit process and a general election on the horizon. So now is the time to pause and consider what next and what businesses should be doing to navigate these choppy seas. I'm joined to do just that by Caroline Turnbull-Hall, our Master Brexit Scenario Planner, Katie Wallace, who's been supporting clients in their Brexit response, and Ben Wilkins, an expert in the people and organisation impacts of Brexit. Thank you all for joining me. Caroline is joining us remotely today, so I'm hoping is on the line now. Caroline, can you hear us? I can indeed, Emily. Super. So, in a slightly different format from usual, I would like to put an idea of mine to you all to debate today, based on my own personal reflections of the Brexit journey so far. And that is that this repeated stop-start nature is actually a very difficult way for businesses to respond to the unfolding events and environment. And in fact, we're seeing the effects of Brexit fatigue begin to take hold with the response that we saw in January to March and the energy around it then much greater than that that we've seen in the run up to this October deadline. So my suggestion is for you to debate and discuss today is rather than repeat that cycle again of now a kind of sprint finish for the new January deadline, is this the moment to change to a new modus operandi, a Brexit as usual, where we bake it into just the way we do business? So perhaps I'll, I'll start. Caroline, let's start with your, your thoughts on that suggestion. Thanks, Emily. And I, I think that's an extremely tempting approach. But it is vitally important that we remember that no deal is still very much on the table and businesses need to continue to be ready for this. Yeah. We've got a general election on the 12th of December and the Christmas recess is due to start round about the 19th of December, which means that Parliament is only going to have around four weeks, 16 sitting days in January to get the Brexit legislation through the various processes needed for it to become law or perhaps even to agree a further extension beyond the end of January if we're going to prevent a no deal on the 31st of January. So whilst it's true we've got a little bit more time available now, we're still facing um, a really tight timetable. Okay, good reality check there. Katie, what's your take on that? So I agree that no deal shouldn't be taken off the table. And actually in my day-to-day experience of working with businesses, I think they are still considering that as one of the likely scenarios. In fact, one of the businesses I was working with yesterday had it as their key worst case scenario that they were developing um, and understanding the impact on the business. Um, I also think we should give businesses a bit of credit and I think they have actually made quite a lot of good practice in preparing either for deal or for no deal. And what this new extension means now is that they need to take stock of those plans that they've um, developed so far and to double check that they are still fit for purpose um, for a January exit and to reprofile or change these as they they need to. Building on your Brexit as usual um, reference at the beginning, we have been thinking about that and what a different approach would look like for businesses, both for the, our response at PwC and also the businesses that we work with. So moving away from seeing Brexit as a point in time and as a discrete project yeah. that you have a head of Brexit and maybe a Brexit programme and you think about what we need to do to prepare for a certain date, you actually integrate it into the overall operations and decision making of the business. Okay. Um, and this has come... 
I think one example of where I've seen businesses starting to do this and where we'd, where we'd encourage them to is in the world of M&A and investment and thinking to the future about how you grow and develop your business. So thinking about what Brexit means for the competitive position of a business, where it wants to invest or not, what its future workforce needs to look like. They are big decisions that need to be made and impact the overall future of a business, but have a Brexit element to them. So integrating that thinking and analysis into wider decision making, um, we think is really important. Yeah. And that's particularly, I, you know, that resonates for me because one of the uh, consequences that we're already seeing play out in the context of Brexit is people holding off from making those mm-hmm. investment decisions. So starting to factor it in and progress with that thinking Definitely. within this environment would allow some of that investment to to start again, which would be you know, good for the UK economy and more widely. Great. Ben, I can see you, you mm. nodding as Katie's talking there. What would your reflections be on that? I'd absolutely echo um, Caroline and Katie's points that we need to keep an eye on uh, no deal exit. Um, but but absolutely, um, some of the uh, implications of Brexit from a people and workforce perspective um, are just uh, being accelerated by Brexit. Okay. Um, and there are trends working through the workforce um, with the advent of technology and um, uh, scarcity of resources that business really needs to be focusing on. And Brexit really is only catalyzing that. Right. So um, I, I would totally agree that um, we need to begin remain laser sharp focused on 31st of January the event of a of, of a no deal but the underlying impact of uh, of scarcity of resources is going to be there for businesses and they need to really focus on that for the long term okay. so I agree um, ongoing focus on that Emily if I can just make a, um, a final point um, on that and I, I agree with, with 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 Ben and with Katie we've got to remember that the 31st of January is critical because it's the date we leave the EU, but it is very far from the end of the process. Uh, You know, paraphrasing Churchill, uh, it's not even the beginning of the end, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. Because once we've left the EU, we've got to start the second phase, the process of negotiating trade deals, not only with the EU, but also with third countries. Yeah. And to get that completed within the implementation period, which is currently set at around 11 months, means that Brexit is going to be the context in which we operate for many years to come. And businesses need to adjust their thinking because at the end of the implementation period, there isn't going to be any big bang moment. The new political declaration that was published a couple of weeks ago indicated a willingness to start implementing changes right the way throughout the transition period. So businesses are really going to have to stay alert to developments and um, anything that changes throughout the whole of the forthcoming second phase of negotiations. Okay, so I think Mm -hmm. what I'm hearing there from you all is absolute agreement about keeping eyes on the horizon and planning for the longer term future but needing to be agile to the short and medium term developments too. Yeah. So perhaps give me some examples of what agile looks like. Ben, I'm going to come to you first. Where where have you working with businesses that are working in that agile way in in the people and organisation sure. context? So so a good good example, Emily. Um, many organisations are highly reliant on um, uh, lower skilled uh, labour in their in their workforce in the UK. Um, and one of the consequences of Brexit could be um, a constraint on the UK's ability to access that pool of resource from the EU in future. Yeah. So that's um, driving focus uh, in terms of um, 
ensuring that the workforce is lean and efficient and taking advantage of the advent of technology. So a number of organisations are looking very carefully at automation, augmentation of existing roles, um, offshoring of activity from the UK to where uh, resource can be accessed and really thinking about how to take advantage of, um, in a purposeful way, um, the advent of technology um, through the workforce. Um, so I've seen a number of clients really accelerate their planning around that in the last um, few months. And very much a strategic response to what might have presented as a kind of tactical issue there. Absolutely. Great. Katie, how, how have you seen it play out and when you've been supporting clients? What would be a good example? So we often get asked what good looks like. So I'll give you an example of yeah, one of the clients which I think has had a really good and agile response. So this is an international clothing company that we've been working with. And I think overall they've taken their Brexit preparations really seriously. Yeah. So they could see that the potential they could see the potential disruption that Brexit might have on their business and they weren't prepared to accept that. So they wanted to really understand that and see how they could manage that effectively. They could see disruption to their retail market, to their retail business, to their consumer business and also to their digital online business if they didn't take positive action. So they initially mapped out their risk exposure and they put in plan place put in place plans for a no deal. One of the clever things that they did was they didn't activate all their plans. So they didn't incur significant resource and expenditure okay. on things that they wouldn't necessarily need to do if we didn't have a no deal, but they are poised and ready to do that and retain sort of competitive advantage and um, move fast if they need to. One of the specific things that they did as part of their thought process and preparations was to distinguish between must do things yeah. and nice to do things. So they set out very clearly that must-dos included anything they needed to do to make sure that they didn't um, have significant disruption to their customer base and to make sure that they had enough of the right products in the right place during the um, over the Brexit period. Okay. So that meant that they were focused on the right things and didn't incur additional costs. So I think they've got it right. They've done quite a lot of work, but they haven't done too much, but they're ready to go should they, should they need to. Okay. And some of the buzzwords we've talked about previously have been about kind of proportionate response yep, exactly. um, yep. rather than necessarily doing everything, as you mm -hmm. say, kind of focusing in the areas that are business critical yep. um, and identifying the things that are nice to do, as you say. Um, Caroline, you and I have been working together on PwC's own preparation. Maybe you could share an example of, of one of the areas that we've been working on in, in the way that Katie describes Yes, yes, of course. And I think for for us, one of the key things is that we can continue providing the services that our clients rely on over um, over Brexit and into the post-Brexit period. And of course, many of those clients are multinational. So there is a need to make sure that we've got the right regulatory approvals to operate, to provide services in other territories. So we've worked with our colleagues in the audit risk team to assess which member states we need to be registered in and to make sure that we've prepared our applications for registration. And as you might expect, some member states have been much more helpful than others. For example, Ireland has been very helpful. And they've set up a shadow regime so we can get our application in we can get it reviewed and provide any additional information that's needed before we leave the EU. And then on exit, that application can be finalized relatively quickly. 
For other member states, it's up to us. We've had to be as prepared as possible um, and make sure that we've got all our ducks in the row, all the information there, ready to trigger a registration application um, at the earliest possible stage. And I think really preparation is absolutely vital to ensure smooth continuity of service. Okay. Great. Thank you all for those examples. And I recognise there that poised and ready to go that you uh, you described, Katie, very much in our own response across a number of areas. Um, we are nearly out of time here today, and I'm going to put one final question to you all that's on a slightly different theme, if I may. On our previous podcast, um, we talked about a new initiative here at PwC called A New UK Narrative, where we are setting out to bring the business government community together to talk about the role the UK can play on the world stage in 2030. So truly beyond Brexit um, and thinking about how we can work together to achieve that vision. And I wanted to put a question to you guys based on your experience of talking to businesses, helping businesses prepare for Brexit. What strengths have you observed or do you think Brexit sort of unearthed that will put the UK business community in a good place for 2030 and beyond? Katie, I'll, I'll come to okay. you first, if yeah. I may. So I think the last three years in preparing for Brexit has given um, UK business a really good base of experience to think of things, think about things differently. So yeah. to widen their outlook, to think about what international relationships might look like in the future, how they might trade with the EU and the rest of the world, how they might diversify their business models and their workforce strategies. So in the words of sort of PwC, to sort of reimagine the possible yeah. and to broaden their mindset and to see think about things differently. So if then they apply that to thinking about the broader UK narrative, I think there's a real opportunity for UK business to use that experience to enhance the debate and thinking in that space. And I'd say, Emily, the what I've seen that distinguishes the UK has been the humanness of the response. So businesses responding to the scarcity of skills, the advent of technology into the workforce um, and, and seeing the upside, seeing the ability to um, unlock uh, uh, res uh, constrained resource, um, to do things differently, to upskill their workforce, take advantage of the benefits of technology, but really equip the workforce for the 21st century. Yeah. Um, and that really that has been gathering pace. Um, and I think it, you know, Brexit is only a catalyst for that. Okay. I agree with you. And obviously, we're seeing that very much here in the work that we're doing around digital upskilling Absolutely. for the new world. Caroline, your, your closing thoughts on that question, please. Um, I can only agree what everybody else said. And I think the UK is currently at the start of a journey. Brexit's only one factor. It might be the catalyst. But we're in a rapidly changing domestic and global environment. And it's an excellent time now for us all to consider just exactly what it is that makes the UK special and what we can all do to ensure that it remains prosperous and continues to retain its place on the international stage going forward. We, we've got great assets and a really great foundation to build on. Um, to pick an example, the UK's got great expertise and a reputation um, in leading on the development of standards and regulation. Yeah. More prosaically, we've also got um, a commonly spoken language and we're in a very helpful time zone. And there are also some really exciting opportunities ahead as we look to develop an independent trade policy and to forge new trading relationships around the world. 
So I think we've all got a great role to play in shaping this new UK narrative. Um, and it's that that's going to help secure the future prosperity of the UK over the next 10 years and indeed beyond that. Thank you. And it's lovely to finish on such an optimistic note. Uh, we started this conversation at what we call the Festival of International Markets here at PwC a couple of weeks ago. And just to share one tidbit of that conversation with you from international businesses and visitors to the UK, they particularly noted the weather. <laughs> um, that's all we've got time for today. And it's clear to me from our conversation that whilst Brexit is far from over, it is perhaps time to shift our focus from the moment in time preparation to the bigger picture. And whilst businesses must be ready for Brexit, they should all be also be ready for what comes next. So if your plans are firmly in place, perhaps time to begin to think about Brexit as just one of the many areas you'll need to focus energy on and look ahead to the horizon with Brexit as the backdrop. It has been my very great pleasure to host the Beyond Brexit podcast series during such a historic time. But the time has also come for me to look to the horizon and move on to new PwC adventures. You can, as always, keep up with the latest Brexit developments and insights on pwc.co.uk forward slash Brexit. And your new host will be back with you very soon. Thank you and goodbye.